Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boantic people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. We've come to the end of another year as we say goodbye to 2022. I thought I'd take this opportunity to relive some of my favourite moments from the podcast over the past 12 months. It goes without saying that without my amazing guests, this show would not happen. They put so much trust in me. They open themselves up, make themselves incredibly vulnerable. They hand me all of their thoughts and their feelings and they trust me to put it together and present it to the world, to complete strangers, like you, dear listener. And it goes without saying that if it was not for you, then I probably wouldn't keep doing this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for giving these incredible mothers your time, for inviting them into your homes. And I hope that by hearing their story, it gives you courage, it gives you confidence, and it sends you a big virtual hug to know that wherever you are in the world, we're all in this together we all feel the same way and we all at times have a lot of trouble expressing that to other members of society thank you again enjoy this special episode to round off season two of the art of being a mum kate mildenhall australian writer podcaster and educator i'd had this moment when the book came out of kind of re-identifying as, as, as a writer and wow I'm a professional out in this world but also then I just come home and back to packing snacks and feeling guilty about them not being organic and the rest of it. Monica Crowley, Irish printmaker, oils artist and visual artist. I find it very hard to do a picture that doesn't have some kind of personal or autobiographical meaning for me. I, I don't just sit down and do something that looks nice <laughs> yeah, it, which yeah. is it's a weird layer to put on myself I, some people are just able to enjoy the process of painting and but uh sometimes I feel like you know I I think about it I overthink things maybe I don't know is it sort of like a way of processing experiences or um remembering things or making sure you remember things is it anything like that yeah. Yeah, I I think actually my art is really um, it's therapy for me. It's how I work through my own emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, like initially, um, I know my my print practice. It started. I was actually doing a lot of prints of places I travelled and using photographs I took and. Um, I think when I became pregnant with my first child, uh, just this huge wash of 
terror and emotions and um you know this the weight of expectation of you know uh, actually i i often say it in my like artist statement like my work is all about identity crisis and you know and i think that was the point when my art practice changed to become this personal thing where i needed art to work through my own emotions to try and make sense of them yeah. um and it, sometimes i'll do like uh, a body of work and then step back from it and go okay now i understand what that was about and this is and i can totally see um when i've finished where it all came from and kind of understand myself that little bit better i think jessica mendez canadian watercolorist and illustrator well i started this more like i said when like our evenings became our own again um like when my daughter was around six months um and at that time i was just kind of like use the time in the evening to like clean or do laundry and just boring things or if i wanted to like sit down i would just you know like scroll the news which was so negative during this time so i just i just wanted something that was fun and more positive and it ended up being like a really good thing that i chose to do charlotte condy u.s artist illustrator and designer you're worrying about someone else all day mm. and um, you're meeting all of their needs all day long. It, it feels almost like you're disappearing as a human being. The roughest part for me, while it was so hard when they were little and I felt lost sometimes, was when my son went to school though. Because then I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, it's not like they don't need me now, but it's a different need. Like, they're kind of self-sufficient and they're going to school for a good chunk of the day. Like, what am I going to do? And that is when the art got pretty intense for me because um, I needed to explore that for myself. Samantha Redfern, British expat mixed media visual artist. I used to have this recurrent dream where we had a house and one day I just discovered this door and I opened the door and it's this whole wing like of a house like this stuff that we didn't even know we had and it's like oh my god wow when did we get ballrooms <laughs> this house must be worth a fortune you know and it's just like I had, had this dream so often and I remember looking into it and doing a bit of research and they say it's when you're there's a part of yourself that you're ignoring and neglecting and it's there the whole time going, come on, come discover me. And it made total sense. And like, cause this is what I've done. I've literally shut myself off. Um, my interest, my creativity just was like, just not being utilized. Like I used to tell my kids stories and made them up and that kind of thing. So it was creative in, in different ways, but in terms of actually physically creating an art piece, yeah. it was totally neglected. Sammy Lang, US mixed media paper artist. 
I feel like I could sprinkle mom guilt across the world and have leftover. Like, so then I, so then after, after I hear all these other people say that they don't have it, I'm like, okay, well, what is mom guilt to me? You know, cause then it's like kind of this really interesting question of like, well, what does that mean? And, and then when do I have it? And I never have it with the creative stuff. I, I think it comes back to, you know, what I talked about, sort of the core identity of being a creative and like, this is a lifestyle yeah. instead of a choice. Yeah. And so I think where I have had tr- the most trouble with mom guilt is I feel like I always want to look at each individual kid and try and make the best choice for that kid. You know, and in the pandemic, I feel like there were no good choices. Rosie Rutherford, British clarinetist and freelance musician. What's your thoughts about mum guilt? I feel like we shouldn't have it, but I think so many of us do. I think it just stems because you care and you want to make the right choices for your children. And I think as mums, there's this thing, isn't there, that anything that you do for yourself, it's at the expense of doing it for your children. And I I feel like now my attitude towards it has developed after like being on my third child, because I know when I just had Ruby, you know, kind of anything feel really, really bad. And I wouldn't, I'd be like, oh no, I can't do anything for myself. I can't go for a run because the house is a mess and I've got to do this. I've got to do the washing and everything before I do this little thing for myself. And now I'm a bit like, well, if I want to play my bass clarinet for 10 minutes, and the house is a mess, then I'm just going to do it because I only have one life. And it's not fair on everyone else that I'm resentful mm. because I don't get to do it. Vienne Lin, Australian pianist and influencer. In China's social media, what they're trying to say that woman needs to wake up. So mm. I guess it's a bit late, but <laughs> at least they are starting to have this slogan. Woman, you have to wake up. You are not just a mom. You yeah. are also a mom. So I guess in Australia, this is so natural. Like I saw my friend, like yesterday they gave birth, today they already, you know, grabbing the baby just at the workplace. Mm, yeah. You can never do that in China. People are just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you have to go in your confinement. Are you crazy? So uh, that's why I love Australia because I just feel like I can breathe and I can do whatever I want. But I, I know I was born in China, but there are things I don't like. and. What I'm doing now is I don't judge about the things I don't like. I just support the things I like and let more people know about it. And I wanted to let people know about it. No matter how many children I have, I'm still a woman. Gerda Mozakindler, Hungarian-born flautist, composer and pianist. People around me uh, reduce me from this to this biological being. You are now a mother. You have to do this and this and this and this. And you should not do more. And we don't want more from you. This is now what you have to do. This is your responsibility now to be a biological being, not a person, not a woman, Mm. and not an artist. And in the first few months, I felt it. I was on the road with with my baby in the pram, and you know that people seeing in you just a mother, you will not recognize like a like a woman. 
this is this, this, this is a mother with a small child and it was Kelly Nobes, Australian professional stylist and I just thought you know what I just I need something I need something to take my mind off of just motherhood to make me feel like me and I I genuinely think you know it was the best thing I ever did and everyone's different some people are like yep I need to get back to work for the same reason other people are like no I need to just give motherhood my all and that's my focus and I don't think there's a right or a wrong I think it's about what what you feel is best for you and what you think is best for your family and your mental health and I know I I said that to my doctor quite a few times I'm like you know it's not just about the baby it's about me too and sometimes when I've said that I almost felt a bit selfish because I felt like oh you know like I should be giving motherhood my absolute everything. Alex McLaughlin, Canadian acrylic and watercolour artist. So is that where the watercolour started to come in a bit? Like you're just sort of testing out what else you can do? and That, that does have a lot to do with um, just like incorporating my practice into my life and trying to be more efficient um, because I've never really been able to involve my kids in the studio too much. Um, I have two really active boys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I tried, I really did try to, um, to just be casual about it and set them up and, and, but yeah, my oldest was, could not sit still. He'd get into the, the worst things, you know, like climbing the walls. So, um, and I didn't want to say no, I didn't want to say no all the time. Right. So Mm -hmm. I kind of avoided being in the studio too much, um, earlier on. Now I, I'm learning what they prefer. Rose Dela Cruz, New Zealand photographer. It was important for me to have a project for myself uh, that is outside the routine of taking care of baby, taking care of um, everything, you know, running the household. Um, yeah, you know, something that was for myself. Um, a break. Because then once I, once I had that, it was kind of like, I was able to, I don't know, be more relaxed mm-hmm. yeah. you know, when I take care of her and she could feel that. Dr. Erica Ball, US classical music composer, violinist, pianist and educator. I've been to concerts by myself and people who knew me and they would say, you know, make remarks like, oh, you're missing bedtime. I'm so, you know, I'm glad you came to the concert. Like, I'm so sorry you had to miss bedtime. And I'm like, I love missing bedtime. It is my least favorite part of day. I am so glad to be here. My husband is perfectly capable of putting our children to bed. Yeah. He does it most nights, even if I'm home. Yeah. Isn't that, it's just interesting how the judgment, people just assume that it's like, Mm -hmm that's what you should be doing. You're a mum, that's what you should be doing. It's Mm -hmm. like, hello, they have two parents, like. (laughs) Exactly. It really frustrates me. And comments like that, they just don't go very far to help. Dana Stevenson, senior dancer with the Australian Ballet. And also that first appointment, I think, you know, I had all these questions about the babies and, you know, this feeding this and, um, you know, sleeping and their tummies, all this stuff. You know, I had this list of things like all every new mum does. 
Yeah. And she's like, I don't want to talk about the babies. She was so amazing, so experienced. Mm-hmm. She's like, I want to talk about you too. Uh, in my mind, anxious me. Oh, I just wish we could get to the things I want to talk about. <laughs> but she spent so long getting to know both of us. Um, myself, Lockie, our stories, how, how we got to this point, And, you know, obviously with the traveling and the quarantine and all of mm. the, you know, driving on the highway and all of this and Jasper. And, and she's like, you know, it's a pyramid structure. And she said, everyone thinks that the parents are, you know, come last and they're at the bottom, but it's actually the other way around. It's at, you're at the top and it filters down. If you guys aren't okay, no one's okay. And then when it came to me, if you are not okay, no one else is okay. And that's yeah. not a burden to you. That's just where we need to put you in this picture because you're going to be putting yourself down here and that everyone else comes first and that the baby's needs come first. And as someone who does like perfection in that way, whenever they'd cry, I'd feel like a failure. When I couldn't settle them, I'd feel like a failure. And like lots of mums do, because that's your feedback and you equate that to how well you're doing at being a mum. And when you've got two of them at once doing that, or when you've just got one settled and the other, you think your status quo is constantly being disrupted. So therefore you must be doing Mm. a terrible job and someone else would be doing this better than you. Heather McClelland, UK-based singer, songwriter, musician, composer and music educator. I'm very much someone that like feels, I'm very much someone that likes to be doing stuff. You know, I've quite, there's quite a lot of pressure of like, oh, I need to be, you know, I like to achieve things I like to do. So it's like quite, quite driven and then like always yeah. like, oh, I should be trying to do this and do that. And I want to write this and I want to, you know, there's always a sort of drive. And I think yeah. with, a, when you have a child, it's been quite good for me to learn to like just be in the moment as well. Do you know what I mean? And not feel guilty yeah. that like, I haven't been creative like on that day. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. you can, get some foam out and play on the tray or whatever you know it's like that kind yeah. of thing. you're just like in the moment doing stuff with him and kind of discovering things and having like these days so yeah, yeah. you know um yeah. and he's going to go to school in september so it's going to be like mm-hmm. this whole new chapter of like getting sort of you know different time back and stuff yeah. so it'll be a new chapter yeah. yeah it's exciting to look forward to that too isn't it so, yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i know five <laughs> days five days i know Louise Agnew, Australian photographer. A lot of people believe, and I did too, that once you're a mother, then you're complete. So mm-hmm. there's this idea, um, this idea that um, becoming a mother will solve everything. But then once you become a mother, you don't feel like you're doing that job well enough all of the time. So yeah. therefore you're not complete and you have to keep this cycle of, yeah, that was just a thought that popped in my yeah. mind. It's this um, ideal that, yeah, you're working towards this thing and that's when you'll reach the top. But, yeah. oh, it just keeps getting higher and higher at <laughs> that point, doesn't it? <laughs> the goalpost keeps oh, shifting. It's not the way you thought it was. Anjali Gunn, Tasha Miller, Karen Miller and Camilla Fleury representing Mother Wild, a global collective of women who believe deeply in helping mothers to mother themselves. I really fucking love myself. And I also really care about my well being. And feeling guilty does not serve my well being, and it does not improve me as a human in any way. Guilt is for when you're doing something wrong, something bad, something malicious. 
So when a mom feels guilty about going out for a date night instead of being with her kid, you're trying to tell me that her pleasure and her well-being isn't of value? Or when a mom is with her kids and she's not working, she should feel bad about that? No. How does that help her in any way? I can try my best to be as healthy as I can and curate a beautiful childhood for my children. But at the end of the day, they're going to experience it in their own way. And that's not mine to choose, right? Mm. But the one thing that I can control is I'm not going to give them a mom who is resentful, who is depleted, and who, you know, is, is yeah, just, just unfulfilled and unsatisfied in her own pursuit in life that part I can do and my hope is from there those are kind of some keys and some tools for them to to do that in their own way in life we we wanted to make sure that we had like the big dreams you know like the maybe the once in a lifetime dreams but we also wanted to have the dreams like just being able to have a bath by yourself without being interrupted so I think it's just the act of dreaming versus what the dream is and and you know we kind of say that as well like whether you go off and do it or you know like it's not the point it's just reminding yourself that you know to dream and then you know it was at a time when I was like I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I was about to go on a um one of many things that the spiritual uh curious um seeker was looking for and it was just like, oh, these voices. And it was just like one man along the way who was like, oh, where are your kids? And who's looking after them? And it's like, why are you leaving them? And I remember like, oh my gosh, he's right. Why am I doing this? Um, and then it was like, wait a minute. I have given so much already through the pregnancies, through the daily mundane things that um, I can ask for a little bit of time away. And I didn't need the permission of my husband. They were thumbs up. Didn't need the permission of my parents. They didn't know where I was going. Um, and um, and it was just culture at large that I just had to bat away. LED, Australian music publicist. If you're trying to do something and it's not working, it's not getting to you to where you want to go, be creative and think up a solution. Mm-hmm. Think up a different doorway. Yeah. For me, you know, I could have sat here 2020 when I was like, well... You know, being a mum's not enough for me. I want more. I could have just wallowed in self-pity and felt mm. bad for myself. And I'm the victim, you know. And, and, and mm. at the end of the day, I, I kind of rose above those thoughts and went, well, can I swear? Of course you can. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a certain amount of assertiveness within myself. I have the self-belief. I feel empowered. Fuck it, I'm going to make it happen. Yep. And I'm going to keep building on my empire of creative projects and I'm not going to stop. Catherine Collett, Australian author and podcaster. I think mum guilt is hard to escape on some level. Um what has made a massive difference for me, and I would say it's probably in other writers' lives as well, is publication. So pre, it's like that gives something a legitimacy and a validation mm-hmm. that all of those years where, you know, you might get an article here or a short story here and all that sort of stuff is the real turning point 
in terms of perception because I think there is a relationship an, a, like a real life relationship between perception and and um, that that kind of valuing of what you're spending your time doing there's also an element that is in your head as well Danny Venn Australian host presenter and master chef star like I remember dropping off Harlow to daycare when I was doing that job I was talking about earlier going and chopping veggies and making these organic meals for people I felt so bad about doing that like I like when I got there I you know I felt good I was able to just go and do a job that I didn't really have to think about too much and it made me feel good but god I felt bad about just dropping off at daycare and picking her up late early late um and I feel like yeah it's like do we carry this guilt like why do we carry this guilt I don't know if fathers are carrying as much guilt (laughs) I don't know I don't know I don't like yeah I it's a it's hard um but I feel like I, I do I have less guilt now I would say so I think I've I've I think I've tried to accept that you know things are as they are I'm still my own person my kids are their person we're all just trying to do our best um but yeah there's still guilt around Shan Rong Denisajevic Tor US violinist and music educator also I won't let my identity that's part of me I don't want that to go I want my children look at me in the future when they start understanding I'm in their eyes. I'm not only their mom. I want them to see that during the hardest time, I never give up what I love. Yeah. Because playing a lot and teaching is what I love. And making music, be able to play with people is what I, I love. And I want my children to see that um, even through the hardest time, I have to make choice to give my life, my time, my attention to them. Mm. But I never gave up what I love and I always come back to it. Andrea Rees, Australian mixed media visual artist and creativity coach. Well, here I go. Like I'm into the next stage of my my life and like I'm becoming a mother and this is who I'm going to be now like yeah you kind of well for me it was a very confusing period where I just didn't know what I was doing or who I was I felt like kind of yeah I was out of control life was happening to me not like I wasn't in control of it kind of so now I've realized that actually you can do whatever you want you have full control of everything and Mez Coleman Australian indie musician I think I would love to live in a world where the term mum guilt is just not a thing. And if we're going to have anything, it's parent guilt. And I don't even think parent guilt should be a thing, but at least that crosses genders and roles, you know, like Mm. why, for instance, because I'm a woman, should I feel really bad about, you know, the dishes piling up and, Mm. you know, an unhealthy dinner if like, you know, a male parent really doesn't now I'm not saying they don't and I'm not saying it's that simple but yeah like what is it about like why have we been conditioned to kind of carry that burden or that guilt Mm. um yeah so yeah if we (laughs) if we have to feel guilty can we all please feel guilty together (laughs) I love it I don't think it's just on the women 
John Cook, Father's Day episode, US conductor and educator. The generation of our parents, they had to give up stuff. And I'm sure that, you know, like, my mother never went out on her own. Yeah. And my father, who was in the restaurant business, was out every night working. Yeah. Didn't come home until two, three in the morning. So I, I wish they almost did some stuff for them, yeah. you know. Mm. Yeah, uh, and that that certainly is not you know your parents or my parents' reality. They had to give up things uh, that they mo- may have wanted to do mm. for that. But uh, and I I, I I feel bad for that, you know that that, that was the case then, yeah. um, but it's not now. Mercedes Rogers, U.S. clay maker and potter. As a woman, it's a strange thing, like the post-feminist woman, like we're no, we're we're still expected to be these amazing moms, keep a good house, not look like a big mess, <laughs> right? And like show up for everybody all the time. And I think it does create a huge amount of guilt. We're we're like we are never enough. There are never enough hours in the day for us to do all of the things for all the people. And then I think the more than anything, we don't like, there's no value on recharging for ourselves, right? Like it's almost like a, like this weird luxury, like, oh, you're gonna go have quiet time for yourself for an hour and that's a priority for your life. What about your dishes, you know? And it does, it creates this like very uncomfortable level of guilt. And it's like, well, why don't you ask my husband about the dishes? Because he's a partnership. It doesn't matter how much we do. It is never ever enough. Shweta Beast, Indian-born photographer based in the United States. Even now, like every day that passes, I, 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 I see it better. I, yeah. I see, I see myself better now than I did then. Mm-hmm. And I was lost, and I was very unhappy. And only I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, and I felt guilty that I had everything that I needed. I had a, I had healthy children. You know how it is. Like you have a. You have a happy family in a sense and and it's like why do i still feel so empty and and you know i said i'm a thinker mm. so <laughs> i was like what do i like what's going on yeah. <laughs> my children were flourishing and i was diminishing mm. there was something wrong yeah. there and i think i had to acknowledge that danielle clobberdance netherlands born author based in the u.s Technically, I did. It looked like that on the outside. I had exactly like a list of great husband, healthy kids, great neighborhood, beautiful home, good schools, and something was still missing. And I wasn't happy. And I, for the longest time, I would beat myself up. Stop being so ungrateful. Be grateful for all the gifts in your life. You should be happy. You should be happy. You should be happy. Why are you not happy? Mm. But at some point, when my youngest was in preschool, I realized, stop, you got to start listening to yourself because if you don't make a change now, you're going to end up being bitter and unhappy and resentful. And you do not want to go, you don't want to be that person. Emily Johnson, US author. It's hard. I mean, that's, you know, people think physically being a mother is hard, but there is a lot of emotional second guessing and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and am I doing this correctly? What, you know, am I a terrible mother? Am I a good mother? Am I, you know, mm-hmm. am I completely screwing my kid up for the future? Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't talk about that unless they're moms themselves. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. 
Fiona Valentine, Melbourne artist and artist business coach. I think we're experts at coming up with guilt over all sorts of things. Am I mothering right? Am I living right? Have I done enough? Am I enough? And just recognising that's part of the journey, particularly when you pick up creativity. For some reason, creativity is just opposed. People have written books about it. It's not even just internal. It's it's something outside of ourselves. And recognising that gives you a bit of something in your backbone that says this does matter. This is good for my kids when I'm being a whole person, when I'm being creative, when I'm modelling joy for them. Simone Wise, South Australian visual artist. I'm encouraged by there are a lot of artists, female artists, who are going strong into their older years or even like fully come into themselves as artists later on so Mm. while I I do get frustrated that I don't have the time to dedicate to art that I would like I still feel like I've got the foundations of skills and who knows what will happen in the future I might have more time to you know push things further. Amy Siegfried US podcaster and entrepreneur. My mom and I talk a lot about how being a mom has shifted so much since she went since I was little till now because a, a lot of the you know in her, from her perspective a lot of these women's movement movements have really taught us to take care of each other mm-hmm. versus fight each other when it really comes down to it and so I, I do think the mom guilt looks a little different you know I I, I joke that um you know we we the cookies come out of the little package that you buy from the store and you put them on the, the pan and my mother takes my son and makes them with the mixer and the whole nine yards and like this is how mom does them this is how grammy does them and they're both okay yeah and that's okay and we go do this where you guys don't do that it's just it's truly one of those things and i i I think the challenge is probably getting out of our own heads Mm. so much us feeling like we need to put ourselves in this box and or whatever that might be, or, or you know, we, we see people on Instagram who, you know, cut their children's sandwiches into fun shapes and sizes every day. And then they also take them to the zoo, but somehow they work full time. And then they go and you're like, how, how do you possibly make dinner and go to the zoo and go to work from, you know, nine to five and then cut their sandwiches to look like, you know, the, the Taj Mahal? Like, I don't understand how this works. <laughs> and so, yeah. I think it's just, it's setting our own perspectives of what we're able to do and what we just have to let go. Lisa Sugarman, US writer. More and more people are starting to show their real selves on social media, which I love, mm-hmm. and saying, I'm actually not okay. I'm actually a disaster, and I'm this and I'm that, and that's owning it and being honest. In the same way, I think moms are, are starting to recognize that this whole guilt thing is complete bullshit that they shouldn't buy into because um, it's just going to chip away at your soul and your confidence and your self-esteem because if you don't and this goes back to perfection if you don't if you don't do everything the way you think you're supposed to do it Mm -hmm. now you're riddled with guilt and now you're incapacitated so it does no one anyway yeah Bianca Mora US photographer and podcaster the other night my two little boys are in the tub together. The most adorable thing you've ever seen. I just wanted to go on the bed and be scroll on my phone. I just wasn't 
I, I, how many times are they going to be in the battle? It's like you go yes. through the Rolodex. It's like, yep. I know, I know A, B, C, D, and E. I know why I should be there, but I'm not right now being present for me and to my needs is to go lay down on, on the bed and not handcuff myself to this moment mm-hmm. to like keep my energy where I want it to be, to feel like I can actually appreciate um, them when I'm in that space that I want. Mm-hmm. I think about yeah. when I first drove the coast to California for the first time ever. I'd never been to the West Coast. And I drove from LA to San Francisco. At first, I was like high. I was not literally, but like I was felt it. I was like, oh, I had never seen such beauty in my life. I was like vibrating. By halfway up, I was like literally nauseous and I don't think it was car sick. I was like, I can't, it's too much. Like I feel like I need to, and I closed my eyes. I was like, I can't see anymore. I can't, I can't take in anymore. Like I'm, you know, and that's kind of what I feel like about, about guilt and about, um, it's this, it's the knowing it's that wise, like, I get it. I know all of the reasons why I, this is amazing, but I'm just not, I'm not there. And I think the more that you can feel confident about choosing yourself in those moments makes you even more richly there for the times where you choose that moment, you know? That is brilliantly put, honestly. Dr. Sophie Brock. Australian Motherhood Studies Sociologist. What I really hope to try and do in my work and for us to do as a culture is to break open this dichotomy of you're either a mother and you love your children and you have this connected relationship and you've lost yourself or you need to actually break away and step away from the mother in order to be the self. There's these these two Mm. polar opposites set up and it's like actually no, there, there, there's a third way here. There's a way for us to flexibly move between our roles and to integrate our sense of self with our mothering and how much of a gift that is for our children, right? That we we don't need to break away pieces of, of who we are and of our authenticity in order to somehow hold up a mirage of them, of, of who we are. Like that doesn't actually serve them. Kate King, US counsellor and art therapist. I've always felt like the like our babies teach us the lessons that we would not learn from anyone else. We would not let anyone else get close enough and honest and vulnerable enough as we let our children get to us. And so some of our biggest issues will never come up for healing if our kids don't reflect them back to us, Mm. you know, and control is a really big one for a lot of moms. And it's really healing to be able to finally sort of unpack it and work through the layers. Mm. Scott Maxwell, Father's Day episode, Australian musician and educator. I know through experience that, um, you know, kids kids like to sing, but sometimes they may annoy their parents. Um, and it might be just natural for the parents to tell them, hey, you know, you sound like a dying dog or something like <laughs> yeah, that, you know? Yeah, and and, and the kid might sound like a dying dog too, but that can really pay detrimental to that, the psyche of, of that. So um, a lot of the times, you know, I like to tell parents that um, if your kids, if your kid is learning music and it sounds horrible, 
then that's probably good because they're actually probably trying something that they've never done before. Some of my best singers and their parents will say that they make really silly noises a lot and that's that's experimentation mm. of, of, of the voice or whatever yeah. it is. Part of what my studio is still, I'm still yeah. experimenting, you know. Yeah. I'm 50 years old and I haven't <laughs> stopped since I was like 11 years old. Steve Davis, Father's Day episode, marketing consultant, comedian, educator and podcaster. Alexandra was born, Nadia was taken to a room to sort of recover and I was taken back into the room and there was AJ in a little cot uh, and I was quietly getting my laptop out to do work <laughs> and just as it was about to open, I was struck by fear that the first thing AJ would hear was the Microsoft music when the computer opened oh. and I slammed the lid. I couldn't let that be the case. Yeah. And so I reached into my bag and brought out the complete works of William Shakespeare. <laughs> As you do. As you do. <laughs> and I went over by her and I read a sonnet to her. So that, Making me that, <laughs> that was the first thing that she heard. Oh. And then I opened up and I played Alexandra leaving, which is the Leonard Cohen song mm -hmm. that she's named after. Fleur Harris, Australian illustrator and designer. Yeah. I realised that t taking t taking time for myself is important, um, and you know, a couple of times I've said to my husband, "Do you know what? I'm going to go and get a hotel room in the city, mm -hmm. and I'm going to go out for dinner by myself." And I'll be home tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> Look, I've only done it a couple of times, but it's been at those points where I've thought, oh my gosh, I am, I'm really maxed out here, like stress-wise. Yeah. Or, you know, um, and I've gone and done that and I've thought, I haven't felt guilty about it, but I actually mm. need is for the sake of, you know, my sanity and, and also... I'll come back, you know, better. Mm. And I almost feel like not doing those sorts of things is actually, would actually be remiss of me in, in being a, um, a good member of my family, you know, yeah. <laughs> and a good mum. Janelle Thomas, Dubai-based singer and songwriter. So then with Hendrix, I actually was back on stage six days after he was born. Oh, wow. Because we had a gig that were waiting for us. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there next Monday. Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> so, that, is, that is incredible. That is amazing. How did you do it, it though, physically? It was, like, we did we, you, you must have had a, like a good birth and everything went good after, or was it like really I challenging? Did. I did. Like, yeah. I really, you know, I had great pregnancies and um, the actual deliveries were a little bit tough both times. I have babies who really enjoyed their accommodation. So they were kind of had to be like convinced to yeah. join us on this side, you know? Yeah. Um, but then once they were out, they were perfectly healthy. I was healthy. I was moving around, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that being said, like I had, I had said, I'm going to be back on stage. Everybody was going, are you sure? I was like, that is the wrong thing to say to me. I've said, I'm sure, you know, I'm just going to do this. Um, Obviously, the week between birth and 
actually having to leave newborn baby for you know the six seven hours that is required when you're when you're doing a gig even if it's in town um that week was just so stressful all i could think was i just need to pump enough um i need to be ready i mean one of the things that made it easier is we've had the same nanny since theo was born so at least she was really ready for that you know theo's perfectly comfortable with her so there wasn't any of that kind of stress of who's gonna mind the baby like i i had someone i trusted implicitly but yeah. still um yeah and then on the day of just i w- was getting ready for work and i didn't have a single pair of shoes that fit because uh-huh. my feet were so swollen and i thought and you know and it's a jazz gig in a nice restaurant and i thought i'm gonna have to go there in like trainers that aren't even done up because I literally cannot put like I was totally Miss Piggy you oh. know I was just I couldn't even put my feet in anything and so I found this like ghastly pair of slip-ons that were really stretchy yeah. and all I could think was please everybody look at my huge massive cleavage don't look <laughs> down don't look down at my terrible footwear <laughs> just keep it all up here in the in the top half oh, I'll be amazing. fine yeah but but I got there and I really we we, you know we played three sets uh, and I really spent the first two sets thinking that I was gonna faint like I was on stage thinking this was not a great idea I maybe shouldn't have done this um and I'd had an episiotomy so was still healing from stitches so I couldn't sit Mm. also you know sitting was actually really uncomfortable so everyone was going to want a stool I'm like no 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 stool that's worse so I'm just kind of you know trying not to like cling on to the mic stand for the first two sets but um you know Felix was great and the staff were great it was a place Mm -hmm. that we we love we've played there a long time and so everybody just welcomed us back with open arms we're so happy to see us you know it's been six months since we've been there uh, because of COVID and the audience was amazing like the audience were so ready for live entertainment too after COVID so actually the third set good the third set was better and it was kind of okay well this is the power of music that but oh yeah I was in like the full-on adult diaper for that show oh yeah (laughs) now when I look at it I'm like that was kind of a terrible idea you know and I can't believe that all of you guys let me do that and you know and and my husband is just like oh yeah like I was absolutely not going to tell you that you're a crazy person you know you you were doing it so you did it Suzanne Kohlberg, Australian writer and coach. My mum never had friends. She Mm -hmm. never had hobbies. I don't want to say she was just a mum. That sounds horrible. I remember looking at her and I was thinking, I don't want to become a mum. Like, honestly, Mm -hmm. your life kind of ends. You don't have anything. And it was interesting. I met my husband when I was 18, when we got married, when I was, I think, 22. And we were never sure on the kids thing. I could be really honest. Like, I love my kids and everything, but we weren't sure. And then we decided we'd wait till I was 28 Mm -hmm. and then we would decide. So we had, you know, by the time I was 28, 10 years together. And then we were like, yeah, okay, we'll have kids. (laughs) (laughs) Got pregnant the first month. I had a very lucky journey in that respect. But it was kind of like, I remember when we got the positive pregnancy test, he was over the moon and I was just sitting there kind of like, whoa, because I didn't think, you know, he's like, this is what we wanted. And I was like, yes, but like there was a a little bit of mourning there. And then I was like, I don't have to be the mum that my mum was. Judy Richards, Australian mixed media artist. When, when you're a mum of three young children, 
and there's plenty of you out there, that you stress yourself out because your house doesn't look a certain way. Don't worry about it. Don't let the things of what other people think get to you. I don't judge people by their homes. If I want to be friends with someone and things get on top of them, mm. who cares? Yeah, like, it, isn't it? Go and visit them for them. Don't make people, because that what happens is then you stop wanting people to come to your house mm -hmm. because you put yourself in a box and you go, well, if that's what people think, I don't want them to come and visit me. Yeah, I'm not good enough to have people into my home. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a nice feeling to have. Leah Franklin, Australian plant-based chef and entrepreneur. I remember having a discussion um, on the humanities floor at Grant High School mm. in year 10. And, you know, you're all standing around, oh, what's everyone doing? And you're picking your subjects and all that. And, and I didn't realise it was going to be such an embarrassing topic. Right. But everyone was saying, oh, you know, what are you going to do? And someone was going to be a teacher and someone was going to be a pharmacist and da-da-da-da-da. Yep. And, and I said, oh, and it came round to me and I said, oh, I just want to be a mum. And, like, it was just yep. this deathly quiet because even then yep. it was an unusual thing for someone in year 10 to say they wanted to just be a mum. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, air quotes again, yeah. just be a mum. And they said, oh. And I said, yeah, I can, like, I just want to have the house with the fence and the whole... Thing. And it's it's truly all I saw for myself. Alethea Holland, Australian entrepreneur and business owner. I've always loved working what I do, but I made that I always knew my mum was very much there for us. Like even though we had coffee shops and that, my mum was the sort of person get off the bus. We had a massive long driveway that felt like forever because we lived on a farm. Raining, we'd get inside and mum would have a hot Milo and something hot out of the oven for us. Yeah. So I knew that if I was able to, I wanted to have that for my children. Rachel Larson Weaver, US photographer and artist educator. I thought when I didn't see people like me in TV or movies or magazines or catalogs, I didn't think that. that the problem was them and representation, mm. I thought that the problem was me. And if I could just make myself thinner and different, then I deserved to be represented. Mm -hmm. And like, that's bullshit. And so now that I have like a little bit of a platform, a little bit of a way to make images, a little bit of a way, a way to share those, I'm like, and I had to start, it's why one of the reasons I'm like pretty passionate about self-portraiture mm -hmm. because I wanted people of different sizes and abilities and bodies to hire me and I felt yep. like well I have to start by showing mine like mm. I feel like it's one of those things that especially photographers if you want to be telling people like I want you to feel comfortable in your body you kind of have to like walk the walk and prove it a little like mm -hmm. they can see through your bs mm -hmm. and so if you haven't really done the work to love and accept yourself the best thing yeah. I can do is model that. And then yeah. when I show up, I kind of show up and I give people permission to be like, oh, yes. I get to do this too. Gillian Lauren, US best-selling author and journalist. I think it's important that your kids see that you're leading a meaningful and engaged life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no such thing as just mom. 
um, you know, if you are meaningful and engaged and your primary, um, you know, your primary activity is taking care of your children, you know, then I think that that would be wonderful and nurturing. And at the same time, um, that's not me. I was never going to give up my career. Sally Rippon, Australia's highest-selling female author and illustrator. In the um, years where I did carry a lot more guilt than I allow myself to now, mm -hmm. I used to worry a lot about working a lot because I worked really, really, really hard. And so often I might be away on tour or I might have to, after dinner, go back into the studio to work. or And it would sometimes mean that I'd miss some school things or... Um, you know, and then I would feel bad about that. But I think all working mothers can relate to that. Mm -hmm. But I guess what I hoped is that what I'm role modeling is that if they have a female partner in the future, there won't be an assumption that it just falls on one person to do the domestic labor or the childcare, that I can model what it's like to be an independent person in the world. I've always been financially independent. I've always, you know, worked really hard to forge a career for myself. And so even though I have sons, not daughters, I think it's as important to role model that for them as it would be if I had daughters. Liz Morton, US event florist, podcaster, and entrepreneur. I've learned that my mom wasn't exactly a like well-rounded eater. She mm -hmm. ate a lot of fast foods, a lot of the same things. So I'm finding like as a mom myself, that my kids eat everything that I eat. So if I'm showing them that I'm eating broccoli and like home cooked meals, they're gonna wanna eat them too. So if I'm not giving them those options, they're not going to eat them. Mm. And they're not encouraged to because if I'm drinking soda, my daughter wants to drink soda. If I'm eating a nice omelet with turkey bacon, she's gonna wanna eat that too. So it's just a matter of introducing them to the right things and setting a good example. Katie Callahan, US singer, songwriter, and artist. So I felt like a little bit of like a conflict, you know, in, in that like I, I'm going to write about who I am and who I am includes being um, a woman and includes being a mother and includes like acknowledging that I have those roles and I'm not going to like pretend like I don't because they're really important parts of my life. They dominate most of my time, you know, mm. um, but, the, but those I feel like a lot of women uh, have to pretend like it's not the case like when they're writing and mm. and like maybe that's a choice maybe maybe you know maybe you know maybe there are other songwriters who are like this is my way of reclaiming you know an individual identity is to write is to not write about them you know mm. <laughs> to not like yeah. them um but because my 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 the way that I write and what I write about is so immediate and uh, often very responsive to where I am in my you know environment and Mm -hmm. circumstance then they show up they keep showing up those girls um, <laughs> um and maybe not like overtly like this is a song about my daughter you know <laughs> yeah, like that yeah, but yeah. Uh, um because only country singers can get away with that but <laughs> <laughs> elise adlam australian philosopher and feminist Women and mothers are really put in this uh, catch-22 situation. You can't win either way, right? If you stay home, you want to be a stay-at-home mum. No, you're not um, doing anything meaningful. You're not producing. 
And then you're, and you're, you know, even some people will say, oh, you're a bad feminist, which is completely not true because uh, feminism should be about women choosing what they do with their lives, as long as they're not harming anyone else. And then on the other hand, you have, uh, if you want to go back to work, you're abandoning your child. Your your role as a woman is to look after your child. So yeah, women really can't win in this. Beth Stephen, Australian singer and songwriter. Everyone needs to be on the same team to make it work. So this year, for example, you know, we've had a baby at the beginning of the year. Everyone has needed to be on board for for it to be successful, you know. So, and, and that's, you know, partner, sister, manager, you know, all the people who are involved in the team to be on board to make that work and to be happy to make that work and, and for that to be successful. Alex Sinekas, Australian designer and engineer. One of the reasons why we don't, you know, know that much is because we don't invest in the research to learn that much. If we researched the lactating breast like we researched other body functions, the same amount of money, uh, we would know a lot more. There would be much more coherent programs. And, you know, part of this is, you know, we have no problem saying, Um, all women should breastfeed and it's best for baby, blah, 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 blah. But then, you know, where are the programs and funding to support having someone there in the hospital who's not run off her feet looking after all the other babies that just got born? Where's the funding to provide you home care? Like we do have these people who are super skilled and really good at what they do, but we don't have funding for them. Are these problems that can feasibly be solved, you know, um, in science? Or are these like problems that can feasibly be solved with just a bit of cash? Yeah. And it's yeah. just we haven't chosen to put our cash in that area. Oh, it's a little cynical, but I think it's true. Gina Graham, US clinical social worker and photographer. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was kind of, you know, like I said, I had taken a little bit of a break. When my kids were babies, I was kind of trying to juggle, you know, like life as a mom working in a very clinical you know, very kind of demanding field at the time I was in private practice work. And, you know, so it was just kind of me servicing these clients that had a lot of needs. And, you know, it was a pretty high risk population. I've always worked um, treating the field of eating disorders. And you can have a lot of medical complications and a lot of extra things you kind of have to kind of keep tabs on from a medical perspective. And so I was juggling a lot at that time and my babies were small and, um, you know, was just kind of increasingly able to work less and less because of difficulty with finding the right childcare. And, you know, my husband works in a job where he travels a bit and, you know, commutes into the city and sometimes has gone long hours. And so, you know, it became obvious to me that um, I just kind of felt ready to take a little break. I felt ready to kind of be home a little more and not try to do that juggle. So I was, um, you know, fortunate enough to be able to take a couple years and um, step away from that work. And in that time, I was loving being a mom, but I think I kind of had a combination of you know, just all of the emotions that get stirred up when you're a mom and you're raising kids and wanting to capture it and seeing how fast it goes. Um, And then I think I just kind of started to get really curious about, um, you know, it's like that I, I think the expression is like the day the years are short but the days are long and I had some like long days at home with two very active young boys and I just kind of got curious about what I was interested in um, that could be a part of that day that could also be kind of meaningful. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following 
or subscribing to the podcast or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll be back on the 6th of January with a new season of The Art of Being a Mum.